24-7. I am staff writer Cody Goodwin. Glad you guys are here with us again today, back on a Saturday evening in Los Angeles, another day closer to the college football playoff national semifinals between number four Alabama, number one Michigan at the Rose Bowl. If you missed it, Rodak Talty and myself hopped on the podcast on Friday and discussed all the major storylines that have come out of the first few media availabilities. We'll circle back with those guys tomorrow on Sunday to do our full preview of the game today. I am joined by Alejandro Zuniga, staff writer at the Michigan Insider, part of the 247 Sports Network. Alejandro has been covering Michigan for a long, long time. Some of you guys may actually remember this was, what, almost exactly a decade ago? Nine years ago? Nine years ago, man. Uh, some reporters were tracking Jim Harbaugh's plane when he was first hired at Michigan all those years ago. It was my man Alejandro here who first met Jim at the airport when he uh, to get the first story after he landed in Ann Arbor. Uh, Alejandro and I go way back, both as interns at the Baltimore Sun, uh, literally a decade ago, coming up, right? Um, and then as students, reporters covering the Big Ten Conference, while I've bounced around and joined the Alabama beat this year, Alejandro became the foremost expert on all things Michigan, and we're pumped to bring him on today to give us a peek at the Wolverines ahead of the Rose Bowl. Alejandro, my man, how you doing? <laughs> You're making me feel real old. This is, uh, uh, take it, yes, uh, taking me way back. It has been, it's been a fun year. It's been, it's been fun watching you. Uh, Get your feet settled down, covering yeah, I finally got off the wrestling beat, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, covering a, a team with offense and defense uh, in, in Alabama and excited to be here in Los Angeles. It's been, it's been a long week. Uh, it gets to the point now three years running in the college football playoff for Michigan. And every time I feel like when it comes to a couple days before the game, there's been a lot of talking. There's been media day. There's been a lot of interviews. And at, at some point, you got to finish talking and actually play football and I'm, I'm glad we're almost there yeah I think a lot of us um, at least in the media circle just kind of ready for the game to get here right like we're just kind of looking at all these media schedules and it's like why do we get to talk to these guys again, again. <laughs> like we're just kind of ready to watch some ball um, before we kind of break down um, you know Michigan and how they've done this year I wanted to start here um, you know Rodak Talty and I when we hopped on the podcast yesterday we started with like um, you know storylines that have come out of these first few media availabilities. The, this week, we've gotten to talk to both teams, both offenses, both defenses. Earlier today, we got a traditional media day where we literally got to talk to anybody. Um, what's been some of the interesting things that have come out of the Michigan side this week? Uh, I mean, nothing enormous, I, I would say. I, I, obviously, there's the catapult sports stuff that I don't think we necessarily need to touch on on this podcast. You, um, didn't, you didn't come to LA to write about iPads? You know, there's. <laughs> I do not have a background in computer science um, <laughs> that I may have to go back to school for that one. Uh, however, I do own an iPad. I have not been able to access anything crazy on it, but maybe people can access it offline. I, I do not know. Um, but I will say just for, for from covering Michigan, um, this has always felt like their window of opportunity. And when this season started, you know, even before the season started, Jim Harbaugh talked about the fact that he felt that this was his best Michigan football team. He felt that Michigan would win a third straight Big Ten championship and would have a chance to come back to the college football playoff. And they've done that, right? Uh, and in talking to players and talking to coaches, they still feel like this is their window of opportunity. They feel like this is the best they've been the healthiest they've been in these college football playoffs and they get a chance to prove themselves against the SEC. I mean, Michigan comes in not the underdog. They come in as the number one team. They come in as the favorite team, uh, despite the fact that a lot of money's pouring in on the Alabama side. Uh, but Michigan feels like an underdog a little bit. And, and part of that's motivation. And part of that is SEC has a reputation. Michigan has a reputation of not getting it done in the postseason. Uh, but Michigan feels like it can prove itself 
prove it's physical, prove it's fast, and prove that it can get it done when it matters most. Yeah, that kind of so that kind of leads into the first question I want to ask you about Michigan, right? Thirteen and zero this season, won the Big Ten again. Um, they have one of the nation's top-rated defenses. They have a very efficient offense. Um, you know, but before we kind of get into those nitty-gritty details, like I always try to start these things with like a vibe check. It seems like the vibes are pretty good surrounding Michigan, right? I mean, listen, if if you just count the football and you don't count everything else, uh, I, we don't have to rehash everything that's gone on <laughs> off the field uh, this year, but it outside of that yeah right so so it is you can't really unlink all of those but every year uh at, at about this time of year you get the jim harbaugh rumors you know whether or not he's going to stick around go to the nfl uh listen they were at sofi stadium practicing today you know jim harbaugh is on the field right interesting um but you know those are conversations you have every year uh, of course, Jim Harbaugh was not on the sidelines for six of 13 games uh, for a couple of different suspensions for a couple of different reasons. Uh, but from a football perspective, things are very, very good, right? Michigan is atop the Big Ten three years in a row. They have beaten Ohio State three years in a row. Uh, Ohio State just had an awful bowl performance against Mizzou, right? Like the, the, the tables have turned in the Big Ten in ways that Michigan fans and the Michigan program maybe didn't believe could happen this quickly, especially after that 2020 season. Uh, so Michigan knew that it had an excellent team coming into this year. So the vibes, yep, they're very good, but also it's, hey, we've been here three times in a row, have won zero college football playoff games, have won zero you know, New Year's Day bowl games in a very long time. Let's get it done. Yeah, no, and I think just, you know, maybe from my perspective, they they do seem a little relaxed, but I think, you know, a lot of the questions that were asked of them this week and, you know, from various, you know, national guys and gals that flew in and, you know, got to talk to them extensively for the first time, um, you know, a lot about that pressure, right? Like, this is their third straight trip to the playoff, and they have not been able to advance to the championship game yet. Like, is that, have you sensed that at all throughout the course of the season or maybe even this week? Or have they maybe tried to, have they have they handled that well? Like, what's, what's, what's that vibe like? I mean, I think they've handled a lot this season, right? They landed in State College before the Penn State game and found out within 12 hours of that kickoff that their head coach had been suspended. So there's been a lot thrown at them, you know, not saying that Michigan's a victim because a lot of this is self-imposed, right? Like, right. But when it comes to, like, on the field But play, when it like, comes to the players, right, yeah. the players, like, they have faced a lot of outside noise, a lot of unwanted attention, and they have been able to handle it. So I don't necessarily think that the stage or the pressure of being in a in a college football playoff and the need to win, I, I don't think that's going to be overwhelming. Uh, I, I do think one thing that's interesting is Michigan, I think, has gotten better at preparing for the college football playoff, right? In 2021, it was the first time there. I think the team and, and, and fans and maybe coaches too just felt, hey, we made it. Our, our season's a success, right? Because no one expected it. Uh, last year, Michigan players have come out this year and said, hey, last year against TCU, we kind of took them for granted. We, we did not take them seriously. And, you know, it's, I think a lot of people in Michigan circles kind of expected that or, or kind of, you know, thought that to be true. But it's interesting to hear them say that. 
and, and then I think they've gotten better with the preparation. Um, they took, you know, Michigan coming into this week took some time off, took more time off, had lighter practices, made sure to emphasize getting themselves healthy, getting guys who were banged up, getting them rested, uh, and then obviously ramping up uh, for what's going to be a very physical, very intense game uh, against the Crimson Tide. Yeah, one of the things I I learned this week um, that was really fun to hear was that, you know, they have the, um, you know, comments throughout the facility in Michigan, you know, in Ann Arbor. Um, what are you doing today to beat Ohio State? Mm-hmm. And like that's like a steady, sh- that's like that's a comment, that's a regular thing that they talk about in the lead up to that game. And then after they get over that hump, it's like, okay, what are we doing today to beat Iowa? Yep. Right. And then you know now it shifts to okay, what are we doing today to beat Alabama? Um, I like that. Like that's a fun little like culture nugget that I think is really really cool. Um, I also thought it was really fun too. Like they, I think a lot of people were maybe teasing Michigan earlier this year with the whole beat Georgia drill. Sure. Um, you know, and then it became beat Alabama drill. Yeah. Right. Because you know, Bama obviously beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. It's been kind of fun to just like, you know, get to see this program up close, um, you know, because, you know, we're so siloed into the teams that we cover yeah, that course. when we have the opportunity to see these other guys, um, you know, it's kind of fun to just kind of like hear their stories. And it's like, all right, how they get here? What, you know, what are their characters and personalities like? And um, very mature team. Like I knew they had a ton of experience, Michigan, um, but just like really mature. Like they obviously handled the media very well. Um, you know, they've been through this dog and pony show, so to speak, before, <laughs> right? Um, but it's just, it's kind of interesting to get to see it up close after watching them from afar for so long. Yeah, I'm mean, ditto with Alabama, right? And I think it, a lot of times when people are, are confident, when players are confident, you think it's a, it's a little overconfidence maybe, or it's a little bit like brash. Uh, but to hear Jalen Milrow, I think that was him, saying that, you know, Alabama is the standard. I think he said he said that a couple days ago. It's like, yeah, on the one hand, that's a little braggadocious. On the other hand, it's true, right? Uh, and there's a reason that, that Michigan's been doing these beat Georgia or beat Ohio, you know, Ohio State drills. And it's not like these aren't drills specific about the opponent, right? Um, the, the point of these drills and the point of the mantras is, listen, for a long time in the Big Ten, Ohio State was the standard. Yeah. Uh, for the last couple of years, Georgia has been the standard. Uh, so the drills are like, hey, we are, you know, they're inside they're inside running, you know, drills, right? So like literally all it is is like it's an extra drill just named after a certain opponent and what you're doing is the defense knows what's coming and you're running a play and you're going to hit somebody and you need to be successful even when they know what's coming, right? So that's not like specific to any one opponent or not. Yeah, It's a mentality. Uh, and, you know, whether you believe it or not, like Michigan players firmly believe that the reason they have been successful uh, over the last three years is because players like Aiden Hutchinson, like Josh Ross, like David Ajabo, like leaders on, on a team, on a program that had been struggling, came in and took it over and just changed the culture of the team. And yeah, maybe you saw some of that culture uh, this week. I, you know, they're college kids, right? Yeah. And, and culture and emotion plays so much into this game. I think the further away you are from that age group, like the more you forget it. Uh, how much emotion plays into success on a football field. 100%. Yeah, and it's also, you know, when you get high-level programs like this and you get the the characters, the players, the coaches, the support staff, all that stuff in the same room and you listen to kind of what they say, these programs are more similar than not, right? Like it's, you know, and it's interesting to hear that like, you know, for the longest time, like, you know, Michigan would use the names of these drills as like, you know, it's kind of like the carrot, you know, Mm, and it's not just, it's not just that they want to beat Ohio State. Like, of course they want to beat Ohio State, but they know that like doing the things that they need to do to position themselves to beat Ohio State will get them back on top of the food chain, right? And like, to your point, like if you're, if you're not the top dog in the Big Ten or the SEC, like Alabama has, you know, had to deal with that with Georgia for the last couple of years. If you're not the top dog, you're chasing the top dog. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, 
for a while, Michigan was chasing Ohio State. And because they were able to build the program up the way they did, they not only beat Ohio State, but they won the Big Ten. They put themselves in position here. They haven't cashed in on that opportunity, but they still have put themselves in that position. Um, you know, and then similarly, like, you know, Alabama, just the way Georgia has steamrolled the competition the last couple of years, um, you know, back-to-back SEC titles um, or back-to-back national titles. Um, they won the SEC title last year. Like, that's, you know, that's who they were chasing. Like, yeah. it was a huge relief from that program when they were able to knock off Georgia in the SEC championship game. And a lot of, you know, us in the Alabama media contingent were kind of looking at each other like, okay, like, that was a huge goal for them. Like, how do they sustain that energy to keep it going? And it's easy to be like, you know, yeah, like, you want to go win a national championship now. But, um, you know, like, that's just it's, – it's, it's curious to see, like, okay, like, what's, where, where's the fuel going to come from now? So it's been kind of interesting to, like, compare and contrast the two programs that way this week. And I've, I don't know. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. It's the Rose Bowl, too. And that's another thing that for Michigan is, is very, very special, right? Yeah. Like, the Rose Bowl for a Big Ten program – Listen, like that's it, man. It, like that's it's it. Like in 1902, Michigan and Stanford played in the first bowl game. I mean, it wasn't called the bowl game, but it was the first bowl game in college football history. It was the Rose Bowl, right? Michigan has played in the Rose Bowl more than any other Big Ten program, uh, second only nationally to, to USC, soon to be a Big Ten program. <laughs> but they haven't been here in a while, and they haven't won here in a while, and it. I, it's very special. I think for, for a Michigan program that for a while was really struggling, it's special that, listen, first they made the college football playoff when it was still four teams. You know, they, they won the Big Ten, you know, when they had expanded and had, you know, the, the current format of the Big Ten championship game. And now they're in the Rose Bowl again, kind of like the way you want to get to the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Because Michigan will soon be playing here a lot more regularly when it's traveling out to, to face UCLA. Uh, maybe playing here more frequently when the college football playoff expands too. But the fact that they made it back to the Rose Bowl as the number one seed, they got their choice and they picked the Rose Bowl. It's, you know, it, there's going to be a lot of Michigan fans and there's a lot of history and there's a lot of excitement just because this is, you know, for two programs that are so based on tradition, the Michigan tradition, like the goal is. The goal for Michigan historically wasn't a national championship because, oh, there didn't used to be national championship games. The goal was the Rose Bowl. Yeah. So they have reached, like, the historic goal of the program, which is pretty cool. That's awesome. That's awesome to hear. Want to talk ball now? Let's talk ball. (laughs) I I wanted to start with Michigan's defense, um, which has effectively been a big blue brick wall this season. Number two nationally in total defense, number one in scoring defense. They force turnovers like crazy. Um, They haven't exactly played rocket ship offenses in the Big Ten Conference, but I think there's something to be said about taking care of business the way that they did this season was it about this defense that makes them so good um well they faced iowa so that (laughs) okay too soon i was that just i was gonna make that joke at some point um so for i mean for the michigan defense like you you look at these guys and honestly like it's been compared up front especially to like sec athletes right um it starts with a couple guys well three in particular i want to say chris jenkins uh, Mason Graham and Kenneth Grant are three DTs. Um, they, they rotate, of course. They'll have two of them on the field at a time. Um, but those are three guys who are going to go pro sooner rather than later. Mason Graham and Kenneth Grant are sophomores. Uh, they're two players that, that Jim Harbaugh, even before they'd stepped foot on camp, or before we'd seen them, um, before they'd, they'd played their first game, Jim Harbaugh called them gifts from the football gods. Um, there's a play from the Penn State game. I know you watched that film. Uh, of Kenneth Grant chasing down Catron Allen, a former you know blue chip running back. Down the field! Down 30 <laughs> yards down the field. And this is Kenneth Grant, who's 300-plus pounds, 
and and he catches up to him and he makes a touchdown saving tackle um which is absurd you just do not see people of that size moving that quickly uh very often just an insane hustle play like that was just it was beautiful that was awesome so so when you look at the michigan defense like that's where it starts is that they have three excellent interior defensive tackles defensive linemen who can turn offenses one-dimensional because they shut down interior runs um, they have also gotten a lot better at pass rushing, uh, whereas, you know, you'd think David Ojabo, Aiden Hutchinson from 2021, like that defensive line, it was the edges, right? It was the edge guys, the defensive ends. Michigan is a lot better at generating pressure up the middle, uh, and that makes it tough for, you know, for any offense. It makes offenses one-dimensional. It makes quarterbacks uncomfortable. Uh, so that's where it starts for Michigan. Um, and then you kind of just have pieces all throughout, pieces and depth, that, that combine well to, to make a very solid defense, right? Uh, when you look at the secondary, you have a you know returning freshman All-American, a sophomore this year in Will Johnson, you know, a consensus five-star, one of, in my opinion, one of the best cornerbacks in the country. He's been banged up a good bit throughout the course of this year, but he's healthy. You know, he is a great you know, when you have a guy like that, like when you have like a Charles yeah. Woodson, right? Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily comparing him to Charles Woodson, but he does wear his number two and because he wanted himself to be compared to Charles Woodson. But when you have a shutdown corner like that, it can effectively eliminate portions of the field and make the rest of your defense, you know, you can mold a defense around that, right? So Will Johnson is an excellent corner. And then you have a lot better depth at linebacker than Michigan had last year, including, you know, three guys or two guys who are veterans, Mike Barrett, who's been around this program for forever, uh, Junior Colson, who is, you know, one of the best athletes on the team. He's been playing with like two broken hands pretty much and still been very successful. Uh, and then a third guy in Ernest Hausman who transferred in from Nebraska. Like, there's just a lot of pieces. Um, but if you're asking about where this starts and why it's been so successful, it's because you have an excellent defensive line that can shut down interior runs and then you have a secondary that is strong enough it can be multiple in its coverages and make it very difficult for a quarterback who doesn't know exactly what he's looking at. I like that. Um, as a follow-up, first of two parts, when you look at Michigan's defense and how they match up against Alabama's offense, where do you think Michigan can take advantage? Yeah, I mean, it, it does start with that defensive interior, right? Yeah, like stopping the run. Stopping the run, but also, you know, at Alabama's had some issues, you know, Centers had some issues, right? Like, they, there are issues on that offensive line. I know the Alabama offensive line has improved significantly throughout the year, but, like, they, they're they not the, the vintage Alabama, yeah. I'd say, right? Like, they, they're not the impervious. They're not the – they're not, not going to give up pressures. Yeah. Um, so, so I think that's where it starts. I think – listen, Will Johnson, if he is healthy and, and he sounds like he is fully healthy, like, you put him one-on-one -on, -one on someone and you kind of take your chances, right? Um, because – Listen, he, he was one-on-one -on, -one on Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, against Ohio State. He had a game-changing interception in the first quarter. He got beat, you know, later, but did not give up a touchdown. And until he left with an injury, like, he was a main reason why Michigan shut down one of the more dangerous offenses in the Big Ten, uh, certainly the, one of the most dangerous receivers in the country. So Maserati Marv. Maserati Marv. Thanks, Gus. <laughs> um, so, so I think it's that, and then... Uh, another area where I feel like Michigan is quietly very, very good is they have the depth. So, you know, so I mentioned three DTs, right? You know, they they have a couple others who also rotate in, right? A, a Cam Good, for example, a Rayshon Benny. Uh, on the edge, you know, they've got four guys who they feel are interchangeable. 
And, you know, none of them are total game breakers. Uh, when you're looking at a Jalen Harrell, you're looking at a Josiah Stewart, a Braden McGregor. Uh, but they're interchangeable enough that when it comes to the third and fourth quarters, you know, where teams for the most part are getting a bit tired out, you've, you, you've got players who haven't played that many snaps and are staying fresh. And that's where I think you've seen Michigan be most successful. Is yeah. It's kind of similar to last year. Like, Michigan was just outstanding in the third quarter of games. It's been very similar this year. It's like there are games that will be close in the first quarter, but as the game wears on, it's like Michigan isn't getting any weaker. Uh, they have the depth. They have an excellent strength and conditioning program, uh, and they have playmakers that are at every level. Uh, so when it comes to crunch time, they are fresh and able to make those plays. No, yeah, and I, when you look at the job that Harbaugh has done building the program back up, like obviously the lifeblood of college football is recruiting, right? And he just seems to have stockpiled so many talented defensive linemen, not unlike how the SEC teams do, right? You look mm -hmm. at Georgia, you look at Alabama. Um, Ole Miss has been tapping into the portal for very talented defensive linemen. Like, you know, and then you look at Michigan, what they can do rotationally. Like, there's something to be said when you get to the fourth quarter and – you need to get a stop, and you've got D linemen out there who are still fresh. Like, that's um, that'll be huge. That'll be a very interesting matchup to kind of watch, like the game within the game. On the flip side, um, when you look at the matchup, Michigan's defense, Alabama's offense, what worries you the most? Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, there, like, on any defense, there's a few weak spots. Um, I'd say there, Cam Good, uh, as, as a back of de defensive tackle, there are opponents who have managed to like lock him on the field and if you can lock him on the field he is not the best you know, he takes up a lot of space right but he's not necessarily at the level of your you know your mason graham your christian it's not that you'd expect him to uh but really the big area the area i'll be watching most is you know when michigan came into this year where i felt they were weakest was at cornerback and obviously i mentioned will johnson you know he is fantastic but when outside of will johnson there were question marks uh, and what Michigan ended up doing, they ended up going to the portal, um, and, and they landed a, a man named Josh Wallace, who, who played a lengthy career at UMass, uh, and he's played really well this year. You know, the, I'm not, he's played very, very well, but if I'm looking at a weak spot on this team, it's that if he, if, if we, you have a Josh Wallace and you have a Jalen Miller who can extend plays, and Alabama likes taking these deep shots, you know, He's a guy who's been beaten a few times this year on double moves. He jumps slant routes, doesn't do a great job of then realizing he's been beaten deep. Um, so that's you know, that's my area of concern, right, is Jalen Miller is going to get his, right? Uh, he's going to make some plays on the ground. He is going to, you know, He's, he's going to make plays. He's a playmaker. That's what he does. Yeah, but um, maybe limiting the big plays? But where, you know... I would much rather, and I think Michigan would much rather, Jalen Milrow pick up 10, 15 yards on the ground versus being able to hit these haymakers over the top. And Michigan has been very, very good at limiting those this year, but they haven't faced a quarterback like Milrow who has the combination of both the arm talent and the ability to keep plays alive. Right? We talked about this a bit off air. Like, Big Ten, in my opinion, has really did not have a fantastic year in terms of quarterback play. You used a different word off air, but we'll leave that we'll, one off We'll air. leave that one off air. But, like, they're, they're just, you know, when you look at some of the better teams Michigan has played this year, uh, when you look at Ohio State, was there a quarterback, a mobile quarterback? Could he keep plays alive? No. So it was like if you got pressure on him, you knew you were disrupting, you were ending the play pretty much. Same thing with Drew Aller at Penn State. You know, Michigan – when we've talked to them, they say, listen, Talia Tagovailoa over at Maryland, he's our closest comparison um, 
And even then, he was like way more pass than run, right? Like, right, right. And, and you know, he's a guy who maybe a bit like Milrow, he's a bit mistake prone. Uh, he's not, you know, he's not necessarily the most, you know, Talia's been in the Big Ten. He's been playing college football a lot longer. Um, but, you know, still makes some of those, you know, head-scratching mistakes. Uh, but the, the reality is, like, my biggest concern is, you know, Michigan has – their secondary is a bit thin, right? Josh Wallace, like, he has been tested but not tested to the level that he will be against Alabama. And if that pass rush can't get home, if you've got guys spying so you're not sending a lot of players to, to disrupt the play – what's going to happen yeah no i think that's that's totally fair and i think we discussed this on on your pod right like it's milrow he when he extends plays like when he leaves the pocket he's still looking to throw Mm -hmm. right and when you when the play starts lasting four five six seven seconds like that's a lot of that's a tall ask for defensive backs down the field and so um that will that will definitely be kind of interesting and talking to some of the michigan players this week you know they were very like you know hey as soon as he leaves the pocket he's a running back like Mm -hmm. they they got to hit him they got to put him on the ground they got to make him feel it um, so it'll be kind of interesting to see, you know, one, if they're able to do that, and two, just on the back end, can they kind of keep everything in front of them so that they don't give up the big plays? Because that is absolutely a hallmark of Alabama's offense. Like, they are able to hit those haymakers every now and again, um, you know, which kind of takes the air out of the opponents. And so um, I'm really looking forward to that. I just, for, based on what I've seen from Michigan's defense, like, they're very, they're very stingy, they're very efficient. They don't, they're very rarely in the wrong place. Like, they're almost always in the right place at the right time. Um, they wrap up really well. They force turnovers, which, like you know, we've mentioned before, Milrow um, hasn't been nearly as bad about his turnovers in recent games. But you know, early in the season, that was a problem. Mm. Like just fumbling the ball, threw a couple, you know, some interceptions here and there. You know, can you take care of the ball? Um, because Michigan's one of those teams that you know, not only do they force turnovers, but they make opponents pay when they force turnovers. So that'll be that'll be a very interesting dynamic too pay attention to um any other final thoughts on michigan's defense i mean one other thing i'll mention as i'm thinking of like potential weaknesses is like when when i'm looking at alabama's offensive line they are massive right and and that's like massive is not necessarily like that's not necessarily like uh always fantastic right Uh, in an offensive line but i do think alabama's offensive line has the combination of size and skill uh and when comparing that to to what michigan lines up interior I think they're fine. I don't think Michigan on the interior is going to be, you know, overmatched, out physical or anything like that. I do have some question marks about what that looks like on the edge, right? Yeah. Like Josiah Stewart, who I mentioned, he was a Coastal Carolina transfer. He's gotten bigger throughout the year. He's still a, a smaller defensive end, right? Like, so, you know, a Braden McGregor, he's been fantastic in run defense this year, but he's like, you know, he, he's not necessarily built up to the size of, you know, an Alabama offensive lineman. He's not 6'7", 360? He is not, which <laughs> you do not want that from a defensive end, right? Um, so so don't get me wrong, but 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 that it, those are areas where, you know, Ohio State had a drive early in the second half where they, they ran the ball down Michigan's throat. And I think everyone in at the big house was like, uh-oh, right? <laughs> <laughs> and Ohio State being Ohio State, like, like they just stopped doing that. Right, like <laughs> <laughs> taking shots at Iowa, taking shots at Ohio State's play calling. <laughs> I mean, they they ran like I believe they ran the ball eight nine straight times, marched down the field, scored a touchdown, and then you know just, then, just then didn't they returned, do it again. <laughs> they returned to like Ohio State's a very pass happy offense, and when you got Marv, it makes sense. It, but yeah. but but it worked, and the the thing one of my biggest pet peeves in, in football coaching, and particularly in college football coaching, is college football coaches are not content with taking the four, five, six yards that yeah. are available to them if they just run the damn ball. Yeah, take right? the free grass, right? And 
when I think of Nick Saban and everything he's built at Alabama, like he is not that, right? If he can get six, seven yards on the ground and grind Michigan to a pulp, he will do so. Yeah. And he will not say, okay, we got to throw it now because, you know, yeah, that's part of the game too. No, he's going to take what's given to him. And when I'm thinking of like Michigan's defensive ends who are maybe a bit undersized, uh, maybe facing challenges that, that, you know, an offensive line to a skill level that they haven't seen, what's that going to look like? Speaking of grinding opposing defenses to a pulp, <laughs> Michigan's offense, very throwbackish or kind of pro style, I guess. They love to run the ball and they do it very well. Blake Corum leads the nation with 24 rushing touchdowns this season. Um, I think it was against Penn State that they ran the ball like 32 straight times to that, close that the was game. The number. Yep. Um, you know, but then they've also got, you know, JJ McCarthy's been incredibly efficient, seventh nationally in passer rating. He's also projected, I believe, like early first round, late second round pick if he decides to come out this season. We'll see if he makes that decision. Um, but overall, Wolverines rank 14th nationally in scoring offense. They did so while facing a gauntlet of stout Big Ten defenses. Um, what makes this Michigan offense so effective? I, for Michigan, it's always started on, like, similar to the defensive tackles, right? It starts on the offensive line. It starts with the trenches. And, you know, Michigan won the Joe Moore Award, not this year, but each of the last two years as the nation's top offensive line. Um, you know, whether or not you believe they were or not, you know, Georgia had some things to say about that in 21, uh, but they were very good offensive lines and yeah. they have been again this year, right? Like they are deep, they are talented, they are very well coached and, and that's where it starts. And that's why Michigan feels like it can run the ball 32 straight times to beat <laughs> Penn State because it, it works, right? Um, that's how you control games you know that's how you drain clock that's how you keep opposing offenses off off the field it's also kind of fun to watch an opposing offense say we are going to push you off the ball and there's nothing you can do to stop us yeah i like when it's not as well known as 32 straight but michigan drained seven of the last eight minutes off the clock in the ohio state game when they had the lead and you know they were one first down they were like three yards away from doing you know from sealing that game uh just by running the ball um, so it starts with the offensive line, right? Michigan, uh, the, their mantra is smash. You know, the last year they called it a <laughs> smash fest. Uh, I believe they've kind of pared down on that talk this year uh, a little bit, just to not seem a little bit too arrogant, right? <laughs> uh, but, but that's where it is. Um, so Drake Nugent uh, came in as a transfer center from Stanford. He's been very good this year. Uh, certainly, we could talk about this uh, from a guard perspective. Zach Zinter, um, All-American, who went down with that nasty, you know, tibia and fibia fracture i believe it was in the ohio state game so he's going to be out and that's something that certainly uh alabama fans should be very cognizant of because michigan did not run the ball very well in the big 10 championship game albeit against a very good iowa defense um but that's where it starts is michigan has you know veteran uh and excellent players on the offensive line trevor keegan the other guard he returned like zinter did uh, for this year because he wanted to win a national championship you know, he'll be in the NFL next year. Drake Nugent will be on the in the NFL next year. Uh, and then you have a couple running backs behind them who are very, very talented. Um, Blake Corum was, would have been a Heisman finalist last year had he not suffered uh, a knee injury coming into the last week of the regular season. Uh, Donovan Edwards has not had the year that he necessarily expected at running back, but he's still, in my opinion, one of Michigan's best offensive weapons, a guy who... Is a good north-south runner, but is especially dangerous out of the backfield as a pass catcher. He can also split out to slot or wide receiver. 
and, and put defenses in conflict. If you know if he is lined up against a linebacker or safety, Michigan for the most part feels like it has a mismatch there. And then Michigan, a lot like Alabama, like they love their tight ends. Um, <laughs> so you will more often than not see two tight ends uh, rather than three wide receivers on the field, right? We love that. Um, for Michigan, that is a guy in Colston Loveland uh, who comes from a tiny town in Idaho called Gooding, uh, where he was like the co, you know, like regional player of the year his senior year. Uh, not sure where the other guy ended up, uh, but he ended up at Michigan and he has been fantastic. Uh, he is large. He is a he catches passes like a wide receiver. Uh, not the best inline blocker, but they have another tight end in AJ Barner who transferred from Indiana. Uh, who is he's been honestly one of the more impressive inline blocking tight ends uh, I've seen in some time and impressive given that wasn't necessarily his pedigree uh, coming from Indiana. Uh, so, so that's where it starts for Michigan, right? Like it's, it's big guys up front. It's a commitment and a knowledge that they can run the ball, particularly inside with talented running backs. And then not enough in my opinion, but they will then go play action and try to hit you over the top potentially, or, you know, hit those intermediate throws that JJ is so efficient at. And listen, Michigan is not a big play offense. They just aren't, but they are a methodical offense. They are an efficient offense. uh, And and that's how they win football games. I'm really glad you brought up Donovan Edwards because he is a guy that probably, you know, Blake Corum, obviously like one, love that guy too, because he like runs with his face. Hmm. Um, So he's like the thunder. And then you bring in Donovan Edwards, who's like lightning. Right. And like, when I think about like where Michigan can take advantage offensively, um, you know, I, I know on your pod we talked about kind of, you know, Alabama's defense struggling with like some of those motion based matchups. Texas used it in the passing game, Auburn used it to set up the run. Um, Donovan Edwards is a guy that I feel like Michigan can utilize as, you know, kind of that scat back out of the backfield, like pair him up with a linebacker, get him the ball in space, and just kind of let him do his thing. Um, I wonder if this is a big Donovan Edwards game. I don't know that to be certain, but like, I think that's, you know, when you look at, you know, again, two-parter here when you look at Michigan's offense how it matches up against Bama's defense um, where can they take advantage Donovan Edwards is the first one like that's where the lights are going off for me what do you think yeah it's uh listen Donovan Edwards wants it to be a big Donovan Edwards game right (laughs) he's he's the guy if you didn't watch Michigan right he he's the guy who stepped in when Blake Corum went down at the end of last year and he rushed for those two 70 plus yard touchdowns against Ohio State uh, he ran for 100-plus yards and a couple touchdowns against Purdue in the Big Ten Championship game last year and was you know Big Ten Championship game MVP. Um, so there was a lot of expectations coming into this year that haven't really panned out. You know, it came to – I don't even remember what game it was, but he got his first touchdown of the season, and it was kind of like a pity touchdown. <laughs> of, like, not, not that – because Blake Corum has been Michigan's goal line back, yeah. right? Like Blake Corum. When you got a guy that leads with his face, you just got to give him the ball. <laughs> he is like, Blake Corum is short. He plays with leverage. Like he's so strong. And when you give him the ball, you know, at the two yard line, he will find his way into the end zone. That's who he is. And Donovan Edwards just hadn't scored a touchdown this year. And at some point they were at the goal line. They're like, okay, we're putting in Donovan. And, <laughs> and he scores and everyone's happy. But it's it's like a bit of a Bronx cheer, like a bit of a, yeah. you know. Um, so... I think he probably would say that he hasn't been utilized to his full capacity. Uh, and and listen, props to him for he expected this to be his year. He expected Blake Corum to go pro, yeah. right? So the fact that that he stuck around, he took a, a back seat when he expected this to be his big year, uh, is very commendable. Uh, so will it be a big Donovan Edwards game? I don't know because it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. But it wouldn't like it wouldn't surprise me because. 
that feels like a weapon that Michigan has underutilized. Like, I think if you spoke to a lot of Michigan fans, they would say that Michigan has a lot of weapons that have been underutilized, Donovan Edwards being one of them, and the second one being the play-action passing game. Like, Michigan, for how much it runs the ball, for how much opponents know they like to run the ball, they go play-action a lot less than most of their peers, uh, which is surprising. And listen, J.J. McCarthy last year was the most efficient passer in the country on play-action passes. And the fact that they haven't necessarily taken full advantage of that this year is a bit surprising, I'd say. Um, but where I feel that Michigan has mismatches, and I felt this all year, it's Donovan Edwards and it's Colston Loveland. Um, because those are the two guys who are most likely to be matched up against a linebacker or a safety. And you know, they they can make their bread that way, right? Like, you run a Texas route with Donovan Edwards, like, he... He can get if he gets the ball. He can he can take that a, a long way. He is fast. He's explosive. Uh, he can make one cut and, and break down field. Colston Loveland, like I mentioned, he's just huge, right? Like he he's a smooth route runner and he is six five and you know ripped. <laughs> so <laughs> as we all wish we were, very in shape, <laughs> very very in shape. <laughs> um, but you know, but has the hands of a wide receiver and runs routes like a wide receiver. Um, so, like those are two guys in AJ Barner. Like those are the mismatches that Michigan has had all season, and that's what they've taken advantage of. Like they don't like Roman Wilson, uh, who is their top wide receiver. Like he's a speedster. When when they're using a guy in motion and they've got a guy in motion at the snap, it's usually him. He's very hard to contain when he's already in motion at the snap. And Michigan, I think, will try to use that pretty frequently uh but most consistently it's it's colston loveland and it's aj barner uh you know as as your intermediate targets moving the ball down the field it'll be interesting to see how alabama um goes about defending them because you know two separate games this year um you know against texas where everybody in the secondary kind of struggled that game but jatavion sanders texas tight end um did a lot of damage in the middle of the field in that intermediate area but he was also just a huge yak guy in mm. that game just yards after catch like crazy um you know but then i also think of the georgia game where alabama had to defend against brock bowers it wasn't a i don't think 100 percent brock bowers i think he was still coming back from his tightrope um you know surgery his ankle issue um you know so it wasn't brock bowers at his peak um, but they, Alabama did a really good job of limiting him and just making sure that they kept him in front and just making sure that he had to, you know, win contested catches. Um, you know, and for the most part, they, they did the job. They limited the big plays. That was kind of the overall theme of their defense in that game. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting to kind of see, you know, one, can Michigan utilize their tight end in that way? And two, you know, can they just, you know, can Alabama find a way to maybe stop the run game? On the flip side, when you look at the matchup, Michigan's offense, Alabama's defense, what worries you the most? <laughs> well, that's secondary. <laughs> <laughs> they're pretty good. They're, they're, they're all right. They're pretty good. And I think, like, there, there's a couple things. Um, so... One thing I, I failed to mention, I think is important to mention, is J.J. McCarthy has been banged up for the last few weeks of this season, right? So when you are looking, he got banged up during the Penn State game. He was, he's been limited to some extent since then. Um, right? So I think that's important to mention. He, has, he says he's 100%, he said he's 110%, which don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> but the important thing to note, um, all that, that being said, uh, Michigan, from a receiver standpoint, I don't know that they have a game chain, like a game breaker. Yeah. Uh, and they are facing a secondary with talent that they have not probably seen this year. You know, Penn State maybe has something to say about that, but what did they do against Penn State? They ran the ball they 32 ran the straight ball. times. 
I think they would have had the opportunity against Iowa with Castro and Cooper DeGene, but DeGene was obviously hurt, so they only had to deal with Castro. But even then, like, even they then, were, yeah, right. you know, they didn't really have to throw the ball that often in that game. Correct. Um, so, J.J. McCarthy had a very hot start to the year, cooled off significantly at the at the end of the year. In part, they faced much better defenses than they did, they did early on. In part, he's been hurt. Uh, but in part, like, Michigan's receiver core, they are – they're good. They're solid. They are like they. There's a big emphasis on run blocking, of course, and, and helping out in the run game. Uh, not necessarily the the super game breakers that that you need when facing a secondary of that caliber. Uh, but the second area where I think Michigan fans come in with some trepidation and coaches too is the reason Michigan runs the ball 32 straight times to beat Penn State is because in the first quarter, in the first half. They are getting blown up by the Penn State edge, edge rushers, right? It's um, big chop Robinson. Big chop, yeah, chop Robinson. <laughs> uh, it, and the first series, like the the first series of that game, like JJ McCarthy's running for his life, um, and the offensive line looks different uh, than it did in that game, right? Uh, Carson Barnhart, uh, who was playing at tackle, uh, he has moved inside to guard after the injury to Zach Zinter. So there are different uh, there are different tackles uh, who are going to be out there you know the noise was potentially a factor right like that was on the road in one of the toughest environments i expect there to be a very healthy contingent of michigan fans at the rose bowl uh but where's alabama's bread buttered on the defense especially on that defensive line it well it's the edge guys right it, yeah. it's the edge guys it's the you know the whatever your hybrid position is yeah um you know every every defense i feel calls it something different um <laughs> But it's those, you know, outside linebackers, your edge guys, your defensive ends. Like, that's that's where Michigan has struggled. They struggled a bit against Ohio State there. They really struggled against Penn State. They have a retooled offensive line. Um, so when I think of where, like, where are my concerns and where are Michigan's concerns, it's you have receivers who I think are going to struggle to get separation because they're facing a secondary that is supremely talented. Um and you have an offensive line that against elite edge rushers, against elite defensive ends, has not shown an ability to keep J.J. McCarthy clean and upright. Uh, so that, you know, that's the big red flag, right, is I think on the interior of the offensive line, I think Michigan feels pretty confident, and they do like to run the ball up them. They've got a plethora of inside run plays, uh, and they are not afraid to use them. But it's what else can you do? And, and can you keep J.J. upright? And can you potentially do something more than 10 yards downfield? Because I, at this point, I don't know, right? Like, I don't know if, if a Cornelius Johnson can win a one-on-one matchup downfield. He is a guy who, if he, you know, if he gets a 10-yard pass, like, he is fantastic at the yak, right? He can stay on his feet like nobody's business. We saw that against Ohio State last year. Um, but it's winning those one-on-one matchups against corners who are going to be in the NFL very soon, or should be, uh, that that I don't think Michigan is fully comfortable with. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And, and it, you know, that kind of brings us back to the whole Donovan Edwards thing. Like, you know, can they get him in space quickly? Can they yeah. get him the ball quickly? You know, match him up with a linebacker, maybe, you know, move one of the edge rushers off, you know, so that they're not rushing the passer. They have to kind of, you know, assume responsibility for him. Um, you know, just kind of an interesting wrinkle, and I wonder if Michigan's coaches will utilize that to to take advantage. Um, I one last question about Michigan's offense. Yeah. Um, one thing that I did notice, um, and I know that it's kind of out there in the college football ether. Do you think JJ McCarthy can step up and make the plays to win a game like this if asked to do so? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's a baller. He's um, like I mentioned. He's been hurt 
Uh, he's been hurt the last few weeks. Um, but he's before he got hurt, he was playing some of his best football. Yeah. Um, he's he's a five-star quarterback. Um, he. He's an IMG guy. That's he's, an I, he's an IMG guy, right? He, he knows a lot of the players on Alabama's football team. Yeah. Um, right, but he, he's a guy who can do it all um, and has shown that throughout this year and throughout the course of his career. Like, he's, you know, when he came in as a freshman, uh, he was clearly the backup to Cade McNamara, but he was a guy that Michigan coaches felt they couldn't keep him off the field. Yeah. Um, so they started designing packages for him as a freshman. And... Uh, when it came to the Georgia game in the college football playoff, like Michigan, it was very quickly apparent that they did not stand a chance against that Georgia defense. But when it came to the second half of like, okay, let's throw out JJ and see what happens. Uh, and he's the guy who leads Michigan to a touchdown and, you know, salvages a little bit of respectability in that game. You know, he's a dual threat guy. Um, he's someone that if Michigan is going to win a national championship, they need to take advantage of his legs. Yeah. Um, and they didn't do that against Ohio State because he was hurt. They were limited against Penn State because he was hurt. Same against Maryland. Like he didn't really, he couldn't really walk the week of the Maryland game, um, and didn't really run the ball much against Iowa either. Um, so he's a guy that, like, when Michigan is at its most efficient offensively, uh, they use his legs to threaten outside runs, and that opens things up on the interior. Um, simple math. Um, <laughs> But he has arm strength. Uh, he he is a lot better at reading defenses than he was. Like he has all the tools yeah. uh, to lead Michigan. And you talk about people who have pressure on them. I think he has put some pressure on himself, probably rightfully so, because he had a he had a bad performance against TCU last year, right? You know, it was statistically uh, one of his better you know yardage wise. He threw for a couple touchdowns, but he also threw two pick sixes. Um, two pick sixes that gifted TCU 14 points and completely changed that game. Um, so I do think there there are a lot of eyes on this game, and a lot of Michigan players have said this week that this is a money game for them, right? When you are considering what you're going to do next year, as JJ is, your performance against a roster of NFL talent like Alabama has is going to maybe dictate what you do next year. Um, so I do think... JJ knows that. Rod Moore, the safety, knows. Like, there are so many players on Michigan's team know that this is a game where they can prove that they belong, not at this level, but at the next level, and that they are ready to take that step. Uh, JJ has, throughout the course of the season, shown that he is potentially a first-round draft pick uh, because he has the talent for it. Uh, this is the time where he could have it all finally click in a big game in a way we haven't seen yet this year. Yeah, no, and I, I guess the reason I asked that is, you know, of the games that I watched, which admittedly it was the Maryland game, the Iowa game, Ohio State and the Penn State game, so only four games. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he, I, it's not like, I, you know, I don't know that Michigan needed him to win those games because one, you know, obviously he was hurt, so they just obviously wanted to protect him, but two, like they were running the ball so well in some of those games and, you know, against Ohio State, they were able to make a few plays defensively to, um, you know, stop Ohio State's offense. But, um, you know, when he is at full health and he is at full strength and he has, you know, capacity of all of his powers, um, he's the type of mobile quarterback that can give Alabama's defense problems. You look at, like, the, the offenses that they struggle with, like, 
Texas and Steve Sarkeesian is maybe the outlier of all outliers because he's maybe the best play, play caller in college football. But like, you know, Auburn has a quarterback that can run and he can move out of the pocket and just get sideways to sideways. And sometimes that gives Alabama's defense fits. Um, you know, you look at some of the other teams that they have struggled with over the years, as long as Saban has been coached, it's a lot of mobile quarterbacks, right? Like Johnny Manziel gave them issues. Cam Newton gave them issues. Like you can go down the line like that. And so, you know, if JJ has, you know, all of his powers and he's 100% ready to go, um, you know, that, you know, elusiveness, you know, being able to use his feet, whether it is to extend plays or to perhaps just take off and run the ball himself, um, you know, in the same way that I think Donovan Edwards could be a game breaker, like J.J. McCarthy, like this could also be a big J.J. McCarthy game. And I think, I almost think it needs to, you know, for Michigan to maybe win the game, right? Yeah, that's, listen, I said that before the Ohio State game and it ended up not being true, right? Like they didn't end up needing a huge J.J. McCarthy ground game. They didn't need his mobility as much as I necessarily expected, but they knew that like Michigan, when they needed yards on the ground, they, they had a package for Alex Orgy, yeah. right? Or um, who has been the most popular, uh, most talked about player uh, on the scout team, I think ever. I was gonna say, he was Jalen Milrow the last <laughs> he was month, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we've, we like Michigan fans have seen that, right? Yeah. For the last couple of years is like, you know, he's a guy who has the physical tools that you maybe compare him to Jalen Milrow, but you know, J.J. McCarthy, yeah, he he takes off. He's got the speed of a running back. Um, he he's seen a lot of he's seen a lot of college football at this point, right? He he's a two year starter. Uh, unlike Jalen Milrow, unlike like the reason Michigan felt like this year was its window to win a national championship is because they had a guy like J.J. McCarthy who wasn't a first year quarterback uh, and a quarterback that's like, invaluable. It's in invaluable. Football, man. Like, invaluable. When you've got when you have a talented quarterback, like, he's the guy who has the ball in his hands every single play. And like, yes, he he. This can be a big JJ game. It probably needs to be a big JJ game, particularly given what the Alabama secondary can do. Um, but if Michigan wants to lean on its ground game, like it needs the running aspect of a guy who can, you know, who can keep. Uh, who can and and have a defensive end crash or have a linebacker crash and and threaten that every single play and yeah a lot on his shoulders on this game as in every game but in this game in particularly in particular I think we'll see we'll, we'll see what he's got 100 percent yeah it'll be uh, that'll be another again matchup within the matchup that'll be really intriguing to watch last question I got for you before we wrap up here how do you think the game goes <laughs> that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I usually stray away from making predictions. Um, I have, let's put it this way. I have a flight booked to Houston and I have a train booked back to Michigan. I would be happy to take either one and I'm not sure which one I'm going to take. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I like, I don't, it, it's, it's weird. And obviously like anyone who's looked at this, it's like, you look at the SP plus ratings, you, you look at the Vegas line. It's like, a lot of these models are, are favoring Michigan. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the public perception is very heavily tilting Alabama, right? Um, and so, so I don't, I don't know. I, my, my concern with what Michigan's done the last couple college football playoffs is they've fallen behind very early, mm. and they've fallen behind early in ways that, like, against Georgia, you just kind of knew there was no chance they'd fight back into it against TCU they did but like you know they were down huge they were down two three scores you know by by the end of the first half um so I think it's imperative for Michigan to either score first or keep this game close right keep this game close early because like I mentioned earlier I do think they have both the talent and the depth uh to 
go toe-to-toe with Alabama and go toe-to-toe with them into the fourth quarter. Do I think they win? I, I think it's more likely I'm taking the train back to Michigan. <laughs> right? Uh, I'll stop at the Grand Canyon on the way. It's going to be a grand old time. Uh, but it, I think Michigan has a very good chance, right? Like Michigan has the, the more experienced quarterback. Michigan has the more, more experienced team. You know, they're, they're the ones, they've been preparing for this. They, they expected to be here. Yeah. You know, this wasn't, beating Ohio State wasn't, you know, the end-all be-all of their season. Winning the Big Ten, they barely, they celebrated, sure. But, you know, the celebration was very muted. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the end-all be-all of the season is winning a national championship. And I don't think they are going to. Uh, but I think they have a better shot than most of the public probably thinks to to make it to Houston next week. Yeah, I think this is you know this is one of those games, and, and similar to the other semifinal in the Sugar Bowl between Texas and Washington. Um, you know, the, the path to victory for both teams is not like you don't have to like squint and tilt your head to see it. Like it's it's very clear that both teams can absolutely win this game, and it'll be interesting to see what happens, right? It'll be so much fun. I'm it's, excited, man. Like like Jim Harbaugh said, man, it's it's Big Blue, it's Roll Tide, it's the Rose Bowl, it's the granddaddy of them all. Like this is iconic. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be awesome. Alejandro, uh, any final thoughts before we sign off here? I really appreciate you taking some time to talk Michigan. No, this is. We we've talked a lot. We've talked 52 minutes on this show. Uh, we we have. Uh, We've been talking with players and coaches and each other uh, for the better part of a week at this point, and I'm just I'm ready to kick off. I'm ready to see this happen. I'm ready to watch sunset over the mountains and the V2 fly over. Um, this is what makes college football special, right? And uh, there's college football is changing a lot. Uh, the sports changing a lot. Um, it will continue to change after this year, and you know there's a lot that is changing in ways that maybe you know people don't like. Um, but it's moments like this that make it so special, right? It's, it is one of the most iconic venues. It is two of the most iconic programs. Uh, it's the pageantry. It's the tradition. And it should be one heck of a football game. And let's do it, man. I'm excited, man. I'm excited. I'm ready. I'm ready for kickoff. I know we all are ready for kickoff, but um, we got one more press conference to sit through, <laughs> and then we got to sit through a parade, and then we'll finally kick off, and the sun will go down over the uh, San Gabriel Mountains. But hey, man, again, thank you. I know this was a huge chunk of your evening here, and you and I are both extremely tired after a long media day, but I really appreciate you coming and talking Michigan. And man, similar to you, man, like I'm ready. I'm ready for this game. I think it's gonna be awesome. That's all right. Yeah, that's no complaints. It's it's the Rose Bowl and it's the, like there's nothing more needs to be said. It's the, like it's the Rose Bowl. It's like it's just chill saying that. It's uh, roses everywhere. Um, two fantastic programs, two fantastic coaches, um, and you know we can talk all we want, but but no one knows till till kickoff, um, and no one knows till the clock hits all zeros. Um, it's been it's been such a drama-filled season for Michigan, um, but it's been a storybook three years, and it's been you know for Michigan fans, for a Michigan program that went two and four in 2020, uh, that was you know inches away from maybe firing Jim Harbaugh, and if you fire Jim Harbaugh, like what comes next? If it's not him, who? Right? Like it's been like a fever dream for three years, and um, so it's it's a blessing to be here <laughs> and. Uh, and I'm just, I'm, I'm so excited and, and thanks for having me on and let's go. 
Hell yeah, man. That is, uh, that's all we've got today. We'll be back uh, on Sunday. Rodak, Talty, and I will come on and um, give our thoughts more extensively on this Alabama-Michigan game. In the meantime, though, be sure to rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, even our Bama 247 YouTube page, even though I know, again, this is audio only, so uh, but still check out the YouTube page because we've got a bunch of fun videos from the week, interviews, practice highlights, all that jazz. Uh, subscribe to Bama 247 and 247 Sports. I believe we're still running a special, the 60% off the annual VIP membership. Believe it comes out to $43 for the entire year. Um, you should absolutely take advantage of that because you can not only get all of our great Alabama coverage, but you can also get all of Alejandro's Michigan coverage as well. Um, it's a great uh, belated Christmas gift or maybe even a Happy New Year gift for the Alabama or Michigan fan in your life. Thank you again, Alejandro, for joining us. As always, we appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you all again soon. Thank you.